Let's go, focus, breathe. Now pull the thing up. Go, 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 up. You've got it, Rorden. You've got it. Stand, stand up. Very good, mate. Well, we've just been talking to Cam, our producer. We have. Slash button pusher, slash creme knob tweaker. Creme knob tweaker, correct. And wheel spinner. Yes, yes of course. He's squished up against the wall there with yeah. the, the wheel pressed to the back of his noggin. <laughs> and he's going to start recording as soon as we actually get into the studio next week. Yes. And I think it's a good idea, Rodden, because you and I have been banding around this concept yes. of uh, releasing a restricted podcast. We have. You know, we an have. R-rated podcast. The mind boggles. What could be on that, Tom? Well, well. Kills. <laughs> That'd be on there. Tips, tips from the trenches. Tips from the trenches. Yes, yes. The do's and don'ts. <laughs> Gordon's one strike and you're out. That's right. It's coming. Uh, but on this episode of Under the Bar, which is Huge completely time. above the board and uh, PG rated, yes, we're talking to Chef Pete Evans. Doesn't get much more PG than that. Yeah. Award-winning host of Channel 7's hit TV wonder, My Kitchen Rules. Yep. My Kitchen Rules. Um, he's also one of the most prominent advocates for paleolithic nutrition in Australia yes. at the moment. He's quite outspoken about his belief in that uh, style of eating. He's on the tour there too, isn't he? He is. He's on his tour at the moment, uh, right into up until the end of March. Learn to cook the paleo way. Where he's yep. Travelling around Australia and New Zealand and teaching people how to uh, cook and adopt a paleolithic nutritional lifestyle. Yeah. And uh, he, I think he's a big uh, advocate on the the health benefits. I think he um, uh, stumbled into paleo after trying a few different things and uh, really feels really good eating the paleo way. So that's um, that's his big take on it, trying to uh, improve the health of everyone. Yeah, so really looking forward to having a chat with Pete Evans a little later in the show. I mean, he he didn't stop pestering us, Rodden. I mean, the amount of emails he Uh, received. Next week, Pete. Another one for Chef Pete Evans. All right. All right, mate. We'll come in on a Saturday. We'll let you come on the show. Have your two cents. Yeah, that's, we'll how, that's how it happened. <laughs> exactly how it happened. <laughs> Could have been the other way around, of course, but yeah. no, no, we'll, we'll let that run with that one, Tom. So bearing that in mind, Rod, and what we thought we'd do on this episode is actually have a, a bit more of an in-depth look into paleo. Not in- too in-depth, but yeah, more yeah. in-depth. Just give the listener a bit of an overview. Of paleo nutrition, uh, the ins and outs, put our spin on it, how we... Yeah. use it or, or work around it um, yes. for a basis of nutrition down at Clean Health, how we work with our clients. Yep. And then we're going to have a look at twice a day training. So uh, at the moment, my coach, Andre Benoit, has coach got me Benoit, in yeah. a, a phase of twice a day training. So yep. off the back of that, we thought we might have a bit of a chat about that particular style of training, that approach. How to. A how to guide yep. of twice a day training. Then we're going to have a look at a study. Yes. Organic versus non-organic. Ooh, that ties in with the paleo thing, I think. It I think certainly does. Doesn't the paleo advocate organic food? Yes. Cool. And, uh, of course, we'll spin the Under the Bar Wheel of Fortune fortune. for your chance to win a Clean Health podcast pack. Yes, mate, right under the nose there. Is that better? That's that's better. Oh, that's Um, twice a day training. So why don't we sort of have a look at twice a day training? Yeah. Um, Not something you would do for a novice. No, but it can be a very effective stimulus for hypertrophy, but also for strength as well. If uh, very good for strength, depending on how you want to structure it. 
Essentially, Rawdon, the greater the training age of an individual, the greater stimulus that is actually required to elicit an adaptation from the body. Yeah, so the greater the training age, the more intensity the individual can induce and the, the greater the, the burden on the body will occur. So for, yeah. for someone that's very advanced, you know, like a, a twice-a-day period uh, might be much shorter than for someone that was a, a, a moderate training age. They could perhaps to achieve a similar level of uh, fatigue, I guess you would call it, mm. uh, that might occur over a two- or three-week period, 10-day, yeah, yeah. ten, ten, ten two-week period type thing. Yeah. But, but the whole idea, I guess, Tom, with the twice-a-day training is cramming twice as much training into, into a shorter period shorter of time. Period. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we've spoken about super compensation and, and that effect yeah. on the program before, but that's basically what we're trying to do. So I guess if you look at hypertrophy from any level, essentially you're damaging muscle tissue, yep. you recover, you repair, yep. and you progress. Yep, and there's that adaptation. The body so adapts and, that, yes. and then you repeat that cycle with twice a day training or some sort of overtraining situation. You're basically yep. damaging muscle fiber and before it has a chance to fully recover, you're hitting it again and you're yep. putting that damage process several layers deep yep. so that the body then has to super compensate and take you several layers above. Yeah, and the... And the, the theory and the, the science behind it is that the body will adapt to a, a higher level than when you started so if you had x amount of muscle mass then you have x plus y when you finish yeah so um that's the theory of supercompensation i guess the the gray area i mean a couple of different ways you can do it but the gray area is how long do you need to supercompensate like for some you know if they dig themselves into a deep enough hole it might be for a yeah, a couple of weeks afterwards they're super compensating mm. for others it it might be that uh, you know four or five day period of no training and and, and over consuming calories to provide the, the, the raw materials for growth and, and recovery to occur so you know the, the, the actual f- uh, length of super compensation will vary that's the you know sometimes you see the benefit weeks afterwards sometimes yeah, exactly. you see it immediately and I guess that will be dependent upon what you're doing with your nutrition during that phase as well yeah you mentioned a couple of approaches Approaches to this overtraining bracket. Yeah. One of them might be, and this is particularly good if you're going away on a holiday or you've got something yeah. planned, you're taking a break from training. Uh, yes, do your overtraining phase, provide just enough calories to maintain that training yeah, intensity. Maintenance calories. Maintenance calories, less carbohydrates, put yourself into a nice big hole, and then you have a few days off to go somewhere nice and sunny, eat plenty of food, and then hope that the body then super compensates during yeah. that period of time. Yeah, I've actually done that uh, for a few guys that have been away on holiday and they, they love the fact that they can, you know, eat pretty much uh, for the first day or two, you know, eat whatever they want, you yeah. know, intramuscular fat stores, you know, glycogen stores, load it up because we know that recovery period will take a while after the, the damage has occurred. So it's worked very well. Yeah. But then by the way, of course, you can do it similar to what I was doing where yeah. I said that I was going to try and grow the competitors. So basically... So you're trying to grow as you go. Yeah, yeah. So you do your twice a day training block and yep. you give yourself a 10 to 20% caloric surplus. Yeah, just as long as there's uh, enough calories to elicit growth. It's Certainly protein-wise. Carbohydrates post-workout, particularly in those PM workouts, yeah. the second workout of the day. And then, you know, you can still earn a rest afterwards. And yeah. particularly if hypertrophy is the pure goal uh, as opposed to just body composition you know trying to maximize muscle and stay lean yeah if you're really just chasing some mass or some weight on the scales train twice a day 
caloric Twice surplus, have your rest, surplus. caloric surplus again, and uh, really go for it. Yeah, and I guess we will tell the listener generally uh, neural or heavier loads, if you are doing twice a day, heavier loads, um, lower repetitions in the morning when your nervous system is more uh, active, mm. and then you're traditionally more your volume-type training in the in the PM. And yeah, generally carbohydrates around the volume workouts, like you mentioned. Um, if you were using it for hypertrophy, that makes sense. So we're recruiting you know, more of the fast twitch fibers in the morning, more of the type 2 uh, intermediate fibers and the, and the slow twitch fibers in the, in the PM with those bigger you know, giant sets, triset, superset type stuff in the PM. But if you were focused on strength and it wasn't so much hypertrophy you're going for, Tom, because you mentioned it was great, mm. one that's uh, pretty famous amongst the CHPC, uh, certainly with our clientele, a lot of them have done the super accumulation, which is uh, what Charles Pollock and popularized. I think there's a, a great article on it in T Nation. So running that super accumulation model, without a doubt, always a strength increase. But yeah. the repetitions in that one are uh, reasonably low. Lower. Mm. So if you were focusing on strength more so, then just think about programming more lower repetition. So more of that relative strength uh, or um, sort of uh, functional uh, three to fives in yeah. the morning and then you know four to six to six to eight in the, in the, in the PM, which you would refer to, like you said, functional uh, hypertrophy. Mm. So if we look at those two approaches, like a strength or a hypertrophic approach, like my uh, program at the moment, obviously at this particular phase, going for some hypertrophy. So yep. Andre's actually got me doing volume AM and PM. You'd be loving that. Yeah, a lot of DOMS yeah. and a lot of soreness, which I guess is a good thing. And I have never taken this approach to twice a day training as well, so yeah. it's something different. Yep. Hopefully that should induce a response. The split that he's got me with at the moment is an arms, chest and back, shoulders and a lower body split those are the muscle groups broken up like any other phase yep. of training but you're just training arms twice in the same day chest and back twice in the same day yep. and so on for the super accumulation when you're going for strength as opposed to picking a body part those workouts are all full body workouts so you yeah. squat and you press and you pull in the morning pull and, big uh, nasty movements yeah and then you do big heavy deadlifts and dips or something in the pm yep. and every workout has that total body big movement bang for buck as opposed to splitting up little muscle yeah. groups so it's a, a bit of a different approach and i guess that's where that apart from the rep schemes yeah the actual movements you're doing yeah. themselves induce that strength adaptation also yeah the, those big bread and butter type movements i suppose you find i mean you've done the super accumulation it brings a tear to your eye every time we mention it yes. do you feel that this twice a day with andre with more of that volume type training is more doable i find it mentally more approachable yes yeah. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Cool. Yeah, maybe it's just because I've been scarred by yes. tear accumulation. A little in the tear in the corner place. right now, Tom. A couple of considerations to take into account if you are going to do it. Obviously, one of them would be training age. Yep. If you haven't been training for that long, well, then there's a heap of other things you can do yeah. to exhaust before you need to have a crack at twice a day training. 100%. Um, but if you have been training for a while and you're looking for a new burst of, of yep. growth or strength, then have a go at twice a day training. Try and pick a time when you have time because uh, yeah, you really need to, to focus on what you're doing with your nutrition. Yes. Sleep is absolutely critical. With everything. With everything, but particularly during a twice-a-day phase. Yep. Um, on a side note, Rod, in the old Grateful Log, which we mentioned back in, yes. uh, I think it might have been episode one. Back in the day. You've uh, actually taken to doing this of late. Yes, I was not doing it for a period of time, having bad sleep, like unusually bad sleep for myself mm. and uh, I thought I'll just give the old grateful log a crack again mm. wrote down everything that I was happy and grateful for and I think the last thing I wrote was so happy and grateful to have a perfect night's sleep and waking up feeling refreshed the next day really I literally slept through until my alarm went off and didn't move 
Beautiful. Yeah, Maybe our listeners should start doing the Grateful Log. Definitely, Excellent. I would recommend it. So yeah, that's twice a day training. Chef Pete Evans coming up soon on Under the Bar with Rawdon and Tom. Look, he's been ringing the switchboard already. Like, yes. Hey, Pete, yeah, mate, it's just, coming, mate. Just it's coming. take it easy. Let's, let us get through a bit of content then. We'll get yes. you on and have your say. All right. We've got fans to keep happy. <laughs> Haven't we, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, mate, let's have a bit of an overview at our spin on Paleolithic nutrition or, yeah. or how we understand it, what we should say. And this is a particularly pertinent time to inject this into proceedings, Rawdon. The disclaimer. Yep. No lab coats on today. No lab coats on today. Mm. Uh, mm. We're not saying this is the only way. Our way is not the only way. There's plenty of ways to do it. No, a lot of people are very passionate about paleo. Yeah, really, on, really on divides side. the uh, yes, yeah, health and fitness industry. It's yes, like CrossFit. There, I mean CrossFit, as we know, fantastic movements. Big fan. Uh, but paleo, they're they're usually the, the two go hand in hand. Yeah. They're heavy on the paleo um, nutrition, and they generally speaking look very good. They do, and they're not uh, not shy of a man bun. The no. old uh, crossfitters, oh, yes. they love yes. a man bun and five fingers. There's some sort of viral uh, clip going around on Facebook of this guy where he's going around chopping off man buns. Yes. So he sees someone with a man bun and just comes up behind with a pair of scissors and just snips and, it off. And rightly so. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's no place for muns. That's what you deserve if you have a man bun. Yeah, the man bun. Boom. Boom. Off. Gone. Gone. Get rid of it. Anyway, um, back to paleo. Right, paleo nutrition. What is it? It's a nutrition based off our ancestral diet. Yep. Organic or wild animal proteins, optimally. Yes. Fruits, veggies, seeds, yep. and nuts. Grubs. Grubs. <laughs> well, well, dirt. Well, that's an interesting Twigs. point that you raised, Rodin. Because nah, Tom, if you're going to get paleo, I want you to fling that steak on the ground, then pick it up and eat it. We'll go out and kill the animal first, yes. flay the steak, roll it around in the dirt, and then eat it. Yes. And that's one of the misconceptions, I guess, that is around about paleolithic nutrition. There's true paleo, and then there's metro paleo, as it's yeah. kind of been coined. And there's a bit of a distinction between the two because true paleo, well, you would have to obviously kill the animal. Yep. You'd certainly eat the brains. You'd eat the brains. You'd Marrow. Go, you'd go for the liver, the eyeballs, all that kind of stuff. The liver, of course, would be chock full of glycogen, so you'd be actually yep. getting quite a lot of carbohydrate intake. in the insulin there. From the, uh, the meats that you eat. If the meat's fresh, there'd be a bit of glycogen stored in the muscle fresh. as well. Yep. Of course, if the meat has been rolled around in the dirt, there's all those natural uh, pre and probiotics. Yes, um, soil-based organisms. Soil-based, or SBOs. SBOs, very good probiotic. On the meat, and so it's very hard to mimic that kind yes. of paleolithic adherence. I mean, I've got some pretty diligent clients. That you, you've got your one strike and they're out policy, Rod, yes. and they, they follow the plan to a T. They do, But you they couldn't do. even possibly write in a really true paleolithic no. nutrition plan. No. <laughs> No, can't quite do it. No, but um, if you break it down, like my, if you just, uh, Rawdon, what's your thoughts on paleo? Well, I'd say that you know, um, meats, vegetables, fruits, seeds. Yeah, I wouldn't go into the the true avoiding the legumes and the, the grains and all those types of things. Generally, I don't get my clients to eat much of those anyway. But yeah, I mean, I would just use. Uh, I guess uh, it's a good place to start. Yes. You know, like a, getting some uh, protein in, getting vegetables in, seeds and nuts and those sorts of things. I think that's a really good place to start. And then depending on the individual, how they respond to different uh, macronutrients would influence things uh, more so from there. Their goal, uh, the training phase they're going would then influence uh, you know, where you would go with the, with the nutrition. But I think it's a reasonable place to start. But I wouldn't, by any stretch of the imagination, 
consider what what we do uh, at Clean Health, you know, a, a paleo uh, yeah. nutrition. When we reference Metro Paleo, that is basically just eating meats, fruits, vegetables, without all that true paleo stuff which we've just kind of listed. So I'll be fascinated to actually get Chef Pete Evans' spin on this and see where he yeah. falls in the mix. I'm sure he does cook with liver and bone broth and all that kind of stuff to, yeah. to get those. But that's one of the inherent limitations of the paleo or the metro paleo diet would be some of those nutritional deficiencies. Just the soil quality that our foods come from these days, yeah. the foods themselves, unless you can source really good organic products, are uh, generally more nutrient deficient than what they would have been yeah. back in those times. So, uh, And also I think um, I recall hearing like just the fruits were vastly different as well they weren't super sweet like they are now they've sort of evolved over they've been grown that way grown so that way to, to, be, the, to be sweeter and more palatable yeah yeah you know there's various uh do's and don'ts with the paleo and the often reference to the the anti-nutrients in our digestive systems being able to handle the things like grains and and, and the legumes with the the lectin, the, the phytates, the saponins, these, these anti-nutrients that sort of rob the body of nutrients. Um, and my, my understanding is that there's very little evidence to, to show that, and, and it's more that the actual plants that, and things that the, these anti-nutrients are in, it's not so much that it robs the body of the nutrients, it's more that it stops the nutrients in the, the plants from being absorbed by the body. Absorbed. So it's not like it's, it's leaching uh, nutrients uh, from the body, it's just you're not getting as, as many nutrients from those foods as, as what you would think. That, that the, the micronutrient profile of that food, um, if it does have the, you know, these uh, anti-nutrients, the phytates, the lectins, the, the saponins, these types of things, from what I understand, it's not so much, uh, you know, it's going to uh, leach from the body. It's just that the, those particular foods, you're not going to get those micronutrients. So, again, if you have a broad cross-section of food that you're uh, selecting from, then, then at the end of the day, you're going to be, you're going to be fine. And, and it's pretty um, insignificant uh, and, and not really a reason to not eat those foods, I guess, if, if that's your argument. You know, there's always exceptions to the rule and, and you know, people with various health conditions it might be more inflammatory to you know people with those uh, nightshade irritations from from the nightshade family of, of, of vegetables the tomatoes potatoes things like that um, peppers capsicums chilies you know that still might be an issue for some people but it's not so much the the anti-nutrients being a, a, a biggie um, certainly not if you compare it to the alternative or a, a more of a western diet where all yeah, the foods processed are foods totally uh, nutrient deficient anyway <laughs> but what you could what you could say is you would need to obviously supplement accordingly to make up for those deficiencies yeah. so b vitamins uh, yeah. minerals like zinc and magnesium which aren't rich in the soils where these yep. foods are grown pre and probiotics yep you know from the food not being in soil and dirt and the grubs and all that kind of stuff anyway yeah. Um, you mentioned a couple of things there about some of the pros and cons about this style of eating, some of the good or the bad things about it, and a few things to sort of have a think about if you are taking this approach. One yeah. of them would be calories. Yes, that's where a lot of people still go wrong. Yeah, if you are concerned about body composition and you're doing this from a broader sense than just general health, yeah. you're looking to build muscle or burn fat, yep. then you would need to have a think about what you are doing with your calories because in one sense, if you want to be lean, 
paleolithic nutrition is a wonderful way of approaching your nutrition yeah. doesn't mean that it's open slather just because you're not eating carbohydrates that yeah. uh, you can eat all the meat and fats and stuff that you want and you're not going to get fat exactly at the end of the day like we've said many times from the program it's a bit of a calories in calories out and if you're in a surplus well at some stage you're going to put some fat on yeah and that's that's a mistake that a lot of people do actually make Tom they you know they'll coconut oil great so they cook everything in coconut oil and you know nuts are great they're, they're healthy for you so I have a ton of nuts and before you know it you, you know, you've consumed a couple of thousand calories in fat a day mm. you know and uh, you know the average person's BMR if they're if they're not training super hard is you know from 1800 to 2200 a day you know yeah. you've already eaten that in fats you know, yeah. let alone all, all the other food and the bits and pieces you eat so definitely that's uh, one thing to consider that's across the board it doesn't matter who you talk to it's that's always right. you know makes up a fair chunk of, of whether you're going to succeed in a in a body composition goal mm. you really got to be aware of energy expenditure energy and energy out on the flip side to that when you do move to a paleo style of eating and you've come from more of a western diet where the foods that you're eating are typically more calorie dense yes you can actually go the other way so you, you move to eating lean animal proteins healthy fats and veggies and you become yeah. quite sparse with the food you're eating and without actually realizing it you're in a significant deficit for a period of, t- of time Correct. you know particularly for I think females who take this approach for the first time like, gee, that's a lot of meat to eat. Yes. And so they think they're eating a lot of food because they're eating a lot of meat. Yeah. But their caloric density of the foods that they're eating is much less than what they're used to. Yeah. So they actually end up being in a deficit for a period of time. Works great for the initial few months because the fat's yeah. coming off. And then there is that inevitable plateau when the body's been starved from mm. calories for an extended period of time. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and really, if you think about it, you know, a paleolithic man would have just been a, a, a meat eater when they caught meat. The rest of the time, they would have been a vegetarian. Exactly. So, you know, the, those that, that uh, heavily advocate paleo and eat a ton of meat as well. Nah, it's not really a paleo existence, you know. You should pretty much be a vegetarian and have meat, you know, a few times a week. You can, yeah. You know, we've, we know that, that, that meat's uh, protein's fantastic for you, and, and obviously, if you're training it, it's a necessity. But... Um, but, you know, if you were to pick paleo to pieces, I mean, that's another point you could, you could throw in there. Well, what you've said just there leads us to our next point, Rod, and that is the amount of dietary fiber that you get. And what you've yeah. said is spot on. It should be eating like a vegetarian. Tons of vegetable material, whole range yep. of fiber sources, yep. resistant soluble, starch, insoluble. soluble, insoluble, that kind of stuff. Exactly. And then with your proteins built around that, yep. well, um, most people will take a protein fats approach first and then chuck in the veggies where they can. Yep. And an initial transition to this style of eating can quite often uh, end up in a sluggish digestive yeah. uh, system if you're not getting all that all the fiber in yeah yeah i mean you, you between 40 and uh, 50 grams of fiber general rule of thumb a little bit less uh, 30 to 50 grams of, of fiber uh, would be the where you want to end up around obviously if you haven't had much fiber you'd want to start um, you know a little lower than that but because that's combined through all your, your the foods you're eating and yeah. um, there is quite a bit hidden in, in the the vegetables that you eat and, and a nice mix of, of soluble for all the um, soluble uh, think of soluble Tommy the prebiotics that are going to feed all the bacteria in the gut and then the, the insoluble given the, the still bulk uh, and helping things pass through <laughs> yeah bulk <laughs> but but that's the way to look at it and it should predominantly be um, more soluble fibers and less insoluble you know simply so you can have the great um, uh, ecology of the gut so everything works well gut, yep. yeah healthy gut but um that's where some people doing the paleo style nutrition will go wrong too, yeah. 
Another question that gets quite often raised by people considering paleo is what about calcium? Where do I get my calcium from? I'm not, not drinking milk yeah. and dairy. And we did address this the other week when we were talking about vitamin D. Yep. Essentially, there's a whole heap of calcium or more than enough calcium than you need in dark leafy greens and some of other food groups which would be under the paleolithic spectrum yeah however yeah meats of course if you don't have adequate vitamin d3 levels then you're not going to absorb the calcium that you're getting anyway so that's a a bit of a a double-edged knife there yes eat plenty of leafy greens and also make sure you have adequate vitamin d3 levels yep um on a more practical level rodney it is quite expensive to, to follow this style of nutrition i mean I'm sure it's the same for you, but if I look at my expenses over a week, I think food has actually got rent covered, and food and rent are my two <laughs> biggest expenses. And, yeah, you know, that's it can just, be costly, definitely, especially if you go down the organic route, which we'll we'll talk about whether that's actually, you know, if you're chasing the the body composition, whether that's relevant. We'll talk about that shortly, but yeah, it, the food bill is definitely going to go up. That's for sure. And from an even broader practical viewpoint, Rod, and just the environmental sustainability the whole yeah. world flip to paleo exactly. tomorrow we, we'd all run out of meat yeah I think uh, in China they, it was rice is the, is the staple now if that if all of a sudden they started having uh, yeah, uh, a kilo and a half of meat a day I reckon yeah. the, uh, there might be a worldwide shortage in uh, the Angus beef there Tom <laughs> so I guess that's a brief uh, yeah. overview of, of paleolithic nutrition to recap on how we do it down at Clean Health the basis of an individual's nutrition plan will always be based around lean animal proteins healthy fats, a ton of veggies, some fruits, and then depending on what they're doing with their training and what their particular body composition goals are, that's when you then manipulate carbohydrates and then fill in the blanks with carbs, basically. Basically, yeah. Cool. while we're on that Rawdon uh, an interesting thing that Cam was telling us in our uh, Cam has lots of interesting things this was a cracker in the restricted uh, recording section of the uh, Under the Bar the Clean Health podcast he was mentioning that he has a friend who is some sort of forensic scientist or forensic imaging expert basically and this is second hand I mean you know take it as read that this is 100% true yes Uh, this is an ironclad under the bar written in stone (laughs) fact yep but what he was saying is that the rate of decomposition of bodies that have been buried these days, it's taken them years and years and years extra to actually break down. And the theory being that the human body these days is so full of plastics, chemicals, toxins, yep. pesticides, food preservatives, and all these various things that we're actually ingesting into ourselves. Obviously, it filters into our bloodstream, into muscle tissue, into brain tissue, all that kind of stuff. And we're just more artificial Overall, it takes longer for us to decompose underground. Well, and I suggested, well, that might be a way for me to uh, live forever. I could start chomping on my polystyrene uh, coffee cup. When I I'm think you should. Yes, absolutely. So they, they I have could it. just sit here in the, the studio forever. Forever. <laughs> just rotting away next to Cam and the, the big big wheel. Yeah, well, uh, interesting you mentioned that. Um, uh, Subversity, a blog where nutrition and exercise science uh, come together. It's oh. a really, really good resource. I love uh, the little articles and... Um, uh, blogs that they put up on there and uh, in reference to what you were talking about there it was uh, true or false washing your vegetables and, and fruits is uh, useless you can't wash away the pesticides anyway you know suggesting that it's actually inside the vegetable 
Yes, I won't ruffle the paper and bore you with all the, the, the facts and figures, but the study actually showed that um, it does actually matter and you can actually uh, wash some of the, the pesticide residue off the fruits and vegetables. So right. uh, it's a pretty much a matter of warm water, we give them a light scrub, nothing a bit of too elbow fancy. grease. A bit of elbow grease. Uh, a lot of admin. I know, Tom. I mean, if you're it's an extra minute. If you're you know? eating the amount of vegetable material which we're prescribing to our clientele. Well, we get the pre-washed, mate. We're sweet. Oh, yeah, of course. I'm sure, they, I'm sure <laughs> the people out of the back of the factory in Woolies who prepare those pre-washed salad uh, sure packages do. do a very thorough job. They do, they do. But it was interesting to note that uh, you can actually improve the, uh, the pesticide. Well, 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 alleviate some of it on the on the food you're eating so a simple uh, warm water give them a bit of a scrub uh, and, then, and then and dry them and you're good to go Bang. you mentioned the chicken schnitty down at uh, big schnitty down at the chpc loves yes. a bit of uh, glycine in the water yes it gives his veggies a little bit of a scrub so that might be the, yeah, the next step he fills up the sink with the warm water chucks all the veggies in puts a teaspoon of glycine in and yep you know washes them and scrubs them and apparently when you take it out and you look at the water afterwards there is a film of filth filth and yes you know, so there you go maybe our listeners pesticides. should uh, should give their veggies a bit of a scrub transcend for handout Oh, yes. It's that time again, Tom. It is. We've got the wheel greased. It's ready to go. Our subscriber uh, wheel of fortune on Under the Bar. So basically, everybody who is on the uh, email list of Under the Bar, go to the Clean Health website, cleanhealth.com.au forward slash What do I get, Tom? Podcast. If, if I go to the effort of doing that, Enter look, your name and email. I've just washed my veggies. That was a minute out of my day. Now you want me to log in and send my details. What do I get? You get the Clean Health Podcast Pack, which is a deluxe shaker. Ooh. It's got the little contraption at the bottom where you can put your pills and oh, powders. Yeah. Yep. You get a stainless steel water bottle. Oh. So no environmental toxins coming out no, of that no one. plastic's coming out of it, leaching out of that. You get a drawstring gym bag. Oh, okay, so put the... Uh, put all your stuff in there. And if, you, if your pants come loose during your workout, you've got a drawstring you can slide in there as well. Very good, very good. That's happened to the best of us. And it a has. cooler bag for all of your meals. So pre-package your meals, stack them in there, keep them cool all your, day. Your paleo meals. The total value is $150 or plus, dollars, plus, plus. thousand. Um, and uh, the winner this week, well, why don't we spin the wheel and see what happens? Hold on, just let me get out of the way, Cam. All right. Yeah. Oh, there we go. That was going for it. Quite a meaty one there from Cam. His fringe sort of fluffed around when he did that one, didn't it? <laughs> Good one, Cam. He clearly has to get that caught in there. Oh, we've gone all the way around at the start here, Ruin. We're number, it's early, it's number 24. Oh, we'll have geez. to go right back to the start of the list oh, here. There you go, flapping. To find it. And the winner is Ebony McLaughlin, subscriber number 24. Maybe oh. a relation to Craig McLaughlin. Check one too, if anyone remembers that. <laughs> Quite possibly. Back in the day. Craig, if you're listening, uh, jump on the list. Yeah, subscribe. You might win a clean health pack. Emily McLaughlin, well done to you. Someone will be in contact in some way, shape or form and you'll get all the goodies. Yeah, our PA. Mate, things are really uh, picking up in Cafe Vivo. All of a sudden, I've Look, turned Cam around. Look, Cam picked it. It's it wasn't said. quiet. And he goes, yeah. no, nah, give it half, yeah, an, half hour. an hour. There'll be people everywhere. Chicken snitties, yep. beetroot salads, a couple of burgers here and there. Yep. Right, mate. I mean, I wonder uh, what percentage of the food out there is actually organic. 
And does it actually matter? Well, well, what do you do? I know you have had moments where you've gone more organic and uh, you go through phases where you, you'll, you'll buy a lot of your... From memory, correct yes. me if I'm wrong. Yeah, look, I mean, I have done a couple of the... Uh, the cleanses that we've discussed on the show, like a few yep. of those fruit and vegetable, it's a cleanse, dirty word, but it's basically eating fruit and veggies for a week. And yep. uh, I always source all of those organically. Yeah. And that works well, feels great. You know, I'll buy some organic yeah. meats, like particularly if I'm having fattier cuts of meat, if I'm going for a lamb yeah. or, uh, you know, like a big juicy steak that's got a decent bit of fat on there. If I'm eating animal fats, I'll try and get organic meats. Okay. We've discussed this before on the show when we had Shousey on talking about where animals store their toxins that are in the fat cells. So if you eat the fat that's on the animal that's a toxic animal, you're basically ingesting those toxins, blah, blah, yep. blah. So an organically sourced animal is better there. What about you, mate? How do you... Yeah, mate, um, if I notice it's organic and it's on special, I'll grab it. Yeah. But um, generally, I, I, I'll be honest, and I don't eat a lot of organic proteins or vegetables. You know, I do eat, I mean, as you do, eat a decent amount of protein and veggies. So to buy organic, it would be uh, quite costly for, for mm. myself. But I think that's the, the main reason why people don't generally. Yeah. So I'm sure obviously eating organic, it has to be better for your health, surely. However, mate, I mean, yeah. I'm looking at you, you eat probably much less organic food than I do. You're 98 kilos and 7% body fat. <laughs> you, know, you know, like on a DEXA, I might add. On, on a DEXA scan, so it's genuine. What's the consensus on whether you need to be eating organic foods to achieve? I mean, would you be five percent and a hundred well, kilos may- if you were eating all organic? Maybe, maybe. It's hard to say. Look, we're going to look at a, a study here, and um, I mean, the general consensus with uh, with organic products is that they're generally grown without um, pesticides, synthetic pesticides, or uh, fertilizers, or um, antibiotics, growth hormones, uh, those sorts of things. So um, it makes sense if the the food you're eating was was injected and, and sprayed with all those sorts of things. It doesn't sound very good. It would make sense to um, to eat organic as much as possible. But the study that I'm I'm, I'm looking at here looked at basically you know more than nutrient density because it's it's often uh, suggested that um, you know even even we we, we talk about charles poliquin um, uh, all the time and i remember time and time again him referencing the the dominican republic and and how every time he goes there he he puts on you know 20 kilos of lean muscle mass uh, (laughs) you know and strips uh, 10 percent body fat but all jokes aside he does actually uh, he does physically put muscle mass on uh, and, and lean out when he's there and um, and he attributes it to the, the quality of food mm. you know and that's in the trenches type stuff I, I, I guess uh, uh, most of it he suggests is, is organic so maybe that's the difference okay so we've mentioned earlier in the program that generally speaking these days that the foods that we eat across the board are generally less nutrient dense than yeah. what they were many many years ago correct so is there a significant difference between the nutrient density of organic or non-organic foods I guess that's what this study was looking at yeah, yeah. Well, for this study, they, the researchers uh, went through uh, 237 of the most relevant uh, studies to do with uh, organic uh, versus non-organic. And um, basically, 17 of the studies um, compared either nutrient levels or the bacteria, fungal, pesticide contaminants on various products of so fruits, veggies, grains, meats, all the things that you would buy organic, um, grown organically and conventionally. The studies range from a couple of days to, to two years, so it, it looked at everything. 
And um, basically, the, the researchers found a very uh, little significant difference uh, in health benefits between organic and conventional foods. There were no consistent differences, the report says, in vitamin, vitamins, so micronutrient density of the organic products, and only one nutrient, apparently, phosphorus, was uh, significantly higher in organic versus the conventionally grown. But they said that it was of little consequence because most people do not have a, a phosphorus deficiency. It's a micronutrient that, uh, that is readily available in the foods that we eat anyway. So very little clinical significance at sites. But yeah, so uh, I guess the take-home message um, here is that nutrient density is the same. So okay. uh, if it was purely the, the nutrient density of the foods that were uh, guiding your uh, decision, then non-organic or conventionally farmed, you're, you're okay with. So let's say that general health is not your prime okay. modus operandi you really just after building muscle and burning body fat you're still going to be able to absorb all the micro yeah. and get the micronutrient density of the foods you're eating be them organic or not yeah um the study did find or the researchers found that organic produce had a 30 percent lower risk of pesticide contamination than um, conventional fruits and vegetables but it's worth noting that organic foods are not necessarily 100 uh, percent pesticide free anyway free. yeah you know what yeah. i mean so it's a uh, it's a tricky one to get around the, the pesticides uh, uh, on the foods that you eat. At the end of the day, if, if uh, body composition is your driving uh, force, if, if that's what you're after, long-term health for sure, organic wherever possible, because you are going to get slightly less pesticides and uh, uh, you know, the, the research has found up to 30% less. But like it also said in the same sentence, uh, you know, they're not 100% pesticide free anyway, so it's a, a fact of, of living in today's world that there is going to be some yeah. uh, exposure to pesticides. And, and, and we know from a previous episode of Under the Bar, Mark Schaus uh, cites uh, you know, the environmental toxicity um, or xeno hormones in the environment is, is, is a big issue. Mm. And that's something that we can, we can look at more from a detox, improving how well we get rid of it yeah. um, rather than try and... Uh, in addition to that, sure, choose organic wherever you can. But um, for those of us that can't afford organic, our body composition goals and um, uh, you know, muscle gain, uh, strength gain goals are, are still going to be able to be achieved with uh, the, the consumption of conventionally farmed uh, fruits and vegetables okay. and meats. Very, Very interesting good. study. Yeah. Yes, this is the Clean Health Podcast Under the Bar. I'm Tom. With me, as always, is Rawdon. Partner in crime. Rawdon, one of the things that we're constantly referring to on this program are the, the adverse effects of pro-inflammatory foods. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, not only on body composition or strength gains, but yep. uh, just uh, more broadly in general health. Yes. And, uh, you know, we talk about the applications of lower carb, higher fat, higher protein nutrition. Yes. We're always discussing the digestive system and yeah. what foods to pull out at the first sign of any sort of digestive distress. Yes. We talk about the fats that we like to use and the health benefits of those. Coconut oil, and, MCT, olive those sorts of things yep. keeping a, a healthy metabolic rate going with that and, and in fact our our most listened to podcast of all time was when we interviewed dr johnny bowden about the real facts around cholesterol and yes. and, and he likes the high fat diet um, and essentially when we do put together a meal plan for our clients be it fat loss or hypertrophy whatever their goal we base that nutrition plan 
around paleolithic nutrition yeah i.e animal proteins yep. healthy fats fruit seeds nuts all that kind of stuff then we can manipulate carbohydrates around yeah, there the macronutrients yeah. on the client's goal what we haven't done yet is to actually go into some specific detail about paleo nutrition yeah, you know precisely what it all is and what it is and so our next guest on the show is going to help us do just that he's probably best known as a judge on channel 7's hit tv series my kitchen rules but he's one of the most prominent advocates for paleolithic nutrition in the country at the moment in fact i think he's in south australia and uh, he's on a tour around Australia and New Zealand called Learn to Cook the Paleo Way, where he and a number of guests entertain and educate those who attend on how to live the paleo way. Lovely. And he's also got an uncanny knack of ruffling a few feathers on social media. Wow, we might have something in common there, Pete. I'm referring, of course, <laughs> to uh, Chef Pete Evans, and I'm delighted to say that he's on the line and ready to join us. Hello, Pete, and thank you for your time. G'day, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Excellent. So, Pete, I'm sure uh, being a, a celebrity chef it doesn't happen overnight, and there's uh, many sumptuous dishes one yes. must cook before you get there. So, could you just give our listeners a bit of an overview of your career, where it all started, and um, how you got to where you are now? Wow. Well, um, I've been cooking for nearly 30 years. I'm 42 this year, and I started when I was 13 at a mate's uh, bakery, actually, of all things. All right. Um, Highly then I, then I was pies. <laughs> Pies, bread, you name it. I was, yeah. uh, I was, I was giving him a hand in there. Then I went on to uh, the fast food chains throughout high school, and then I became an apprentice chef. Um, and and the rest is history. I've opened up, uh, I think, about seven or eight restaurants uh, since I was nineteen. And my two hands have probably cooked about a million meals for <laughs> customers. And um, I haven't even started yet. <laughs> to yeah, be honest, get, yep. getting warmed up. Getting warmed up. Yep. Mm. Well, I mean, like, I, I guess. That leads us to, I mean, how did you make the progression into following a Paleolithic nutrition plan? I mean, what was the, the cause of that yeah. and how has your life changed since? Sure, I've always been interested in health and nutrition ever since I was a, a teenager. So, um, paleo I didn't really discover until about three or four years ago, coming up to four years when my fiance Nicola Robinson, um, I was reading Nora Gagaudis's uh, fantastic book, Primal Body, Primal Mind, and and she said, "Hey, you might you might want to read this." So I read it, and it made sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it made more sense than anything I've ever read about health and nutrition. So I uh, I applied the principles. So did my partner, and we and we both um, noticed uh, pretty much immediate um, improvements in our health, in our skin, in our uh, digestive. Um, in our digestion, you name it, we just felt good. So um, I investigated it further. Uh, then I went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and became a health coach over a year um, oh. just to get some sort of qualification because if I was going to uh, start talking about this, I thought I better, I better know the basics. Mm, yeah. um, and it probably took me about a year before I sort of came out and said, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm doing the paleo thing oh, yeah. um, because I knew if I did it was going to create a bit of controversy with my media profile But so I wanted to check and find out how many negatives there were out there and I, and I really struggled to find any negatives yeah. um, except that it isn't widely accepted and, and uh, old school thinking thinks it's uh, a dangerous form of living your life which I still struggle very very hard to uh, for them f- to prove that it is um, a dangerous thing mm. um, and ever since then I thought well if I've been cooking for 25 26 years I've built my reputation I've built a public profile I'm not going to throw it away on something that doesn't work yeah. um, and I thought well 
let's use that public profile, let's use that uh, media interest or celebrity interest and, and let's put it out there mainstream. And, and that's always been my goal ever since uh, Nicola and I discussed this. I said, we actually have the ability to help uh, uh, as a catalyst to help speed this up and, and get it so it's, um, I, I guess, a household name, especially in this country and probably New Zealand. Um, and and I think we've managed to do that in a, in a very short period of time along with um, other people pushing this as well. Yeah, definitely, Pete. Um, how different to what you were, did you find your nutrition anyway by choice uh, was sort of leaning towards something that was similar to paleo anyway and there was like slight changes or did you were you feeling unwell and then you read the book and, hey, this makes sense, I might try this and then felt better? Or Yeah, I was going through a whole transitional uh, stage of my life and uh, in my late teens I, I experimented and, uh, for four years with, with veganism. Oh, um, which was it was great for about six months to a year. I felt really really clean, really good, and then uh, after that, I, I started to feel a little bit lethargic and, and running out of energy. Yeah. Um, so that sort of put me off the whole, um, I guess, the health philosophy for a while because I thought, wow, I, I was I was a raw vegan. I was I was re- doing all the books and doing it yes. by the book. I was meditating. I was I was did fit. yoga probably too. Uh, and I, I, I became a little bit disillusioned, um, mm. just going, wow, you know, that was meant to be the holy grail. That is, yeah. that is meant to be the best thing for the planet, for the animals, for our health. Um, so I, I was like, well, if that didn't work, <laughs> what else is out there? So I just, I just probably ate the standard Australian diet, you know, muesli or cereal for breakfast or a bit of toast and then sandwiches for lunch and I'd cook a pasta or a mean risotto for dinner. And I, I thought, well, that's what we're encouraged to do by the healthy eating guide or the food pyramid at the time. And mm. um, But that also led to not feeling great and it, it yeah. wasn't until the paleo thing came about and I thought, this is the best I've felt that for for as long as I can remember. And it's so simple. Yeah. Mm. It, is, it really is simple. It, it's not rocket science by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> no, and, well, well, I'm doing a tour at the moment uh, with Luke Hines, my um, fitness buddy, and we're up on stage and we did our first event last night in Port Lincoln to 250 locals yeah. in South Australia. And and I said to them, I said, you know, I, I feel a little bit strange coming up here and cooking in front of 250 <laughs> people. Uh, and I think we're doing about 10,000 or 15,000 people around the country over the next two months mm-hmm. and in New Zealand. I said, I'm going to teach you the basics that that I pretty much learnt in culinary school in my first sort of a few months. I said, we're going to be teaching you how to make stocks or what's commonly known in in this world as bone broths. Um, We're going to teach you uh, how to cook budget budget food. Uh, We're going to show you how how to sort of cook with offal. I mean, really, really simple, basic stuff. And, and we managed to pack in about 15 or 16 recipes while we are on stage for four hours awesome. talk, talking about it. But it is, I mean, each recipe maybe takes 10 to 20 minutes tops to, to prepare and, and, and cook, um, except for the, the broths, of course. But they yes. take three or four minutes to, to prepare and then a day to cook. Mm. But Low it's such, yeah. such simple stuff and it's yeah. inexpensive uh, ingredients too that we're using. Very good, Pete. Yeah, Pete. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned the the broth and the offal and all those kinds of things. And so, I'm curious about how else you apply Paleolithic nutrition. Are you into the organ meats and and liver and kidney and all that kind of stuff as well? Yeah. Uh, for instance, last night we cooked up bone marrow, and I, I tell the story about 
there's a restaurant in London called St. John, and it's, it's owned by one of the most famous chefs in the world called Fergus Henderson. Now, people travel around the world to eat at his restaurant, and they, his signature dish is bone marrow. Yes. And, it, and it's served with a parsley salad on the side. So, wow. And I showed people how easy it was to do. You take your piece of bone marrow, you put a bit of sea salt in, on it, you put it in the oven for 10 minutes, and then you take it out, and that is it. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> But people travel all around the world to eat this, this dish at this one restaurant yeah. where they can be eating this in their own home every single night of the week if they mm, wanted to yeah. um, or for breakfast or for lunch or whatever they, 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 they choose to. I mean, it is so simple. I, I, I cook another dish on stage last night which is called chopped liver um, and it's a classic Jewish dish. Mm. Classic. And it is beautiful chicken liver cooked in, uh, they cook it in, uh, traditionally either in chicken fat or duck fat. Um, duck mm. fat if they're using duck livers, chicken fat if they're using chicken livers. Mm. Some onions, some bay leaf, a little bit of spice, oh. some chicken stock or some you, duck stock. Yeah, me Bob, salivating, Pete. Bob, Bob's your uncle. And again, these, these are the foods that our grandparents and great-grandparents would eat. Mm. And it's funny, that recipe was handed off onto me from a chef from San Francisco. And people flock to his restaurant to eat his food that is inspired by his grandmother. Now, isn't yes. that strange that um, a couple of these famous restaurants around the world are doing the most basic food, yeah. although delicious, but it's food that anyone can do at home. Definitely. Yeah. Listen, uh, Pete, I wouldn't mind your take. Obviously, we see uh, you know shots of you surfing and uh, your training. You mentioned uh, the trainer you have, Luke, I think his name is. Luke Hines. <laughs> Luke Hines, yeah. Uh, you know, if you're <coughs> going to change trainers, uh, I, I'd work down at Clean Health, Pete. I'll give you a <laughs> cut your discount. Uh, but <laughs> all jokes aside, um, when you swap, I'm just curious, when you swap to the paleo style of nutrition, like from where I'm sitting, more proteins, more amino acids, you know, more muscle growth, hypertrophy, that's all, all the good stuff there. Yep. Did you notice like your performance, either just general activity, surfing, whatnot, and, and in the gym, did your body composition change and, and, and things were better in that regard? Well, I've definitely, my body's better now than it's ever been as far as flexibility, as far as movement goes, as far as energy levels go. My approach to fitness is, is um, I like to move and I think that's probably uh, my best piece of advice for anyone is just move your body. Um, I was recently, had the good, good, good fortune of spending some time with Edo Portal. We, he came to my house oh, and we, yes. we cooked some um, shakshuka eggs from his homeland, from Israel. Yeah. Um, and we talked about movement as such. And I mean, he's he's built, he's fit, he's he's yeah. he's a strong he's a strong fella. Mm. Um, and we discussed this in detail because I was I was interviewing him for my new TV program, um, and. Uh, and he, he summed it up that, you know, we, we just need to move our bodies. Otherwise, if we don't, uh, we're going to lose the ability to actually move it when we get older. Mm, um, yeah. So as far as my fitness regime goes, I I go surfing. I, I jump on the trampoline with my kids. I run around. I have a little bit of a sprint from time to time. Uh, if I'm in a hotel, I'll, I'll go down and use their weights. If I'm at home, I'll do chin-ups or I'll do some push-ups or awesome. I'll, I'll have a skip. I, I don't have anything... Uh, structured so mm -hmm. to speak I like to move it up if, when I'm traveling I'll go to a yoga class or a bar class um, yeah. I, I keep it pretty flexible and not regimented and I know a lot of that that um, a lot of people don't do that I don't sculpt my body um, I know a lot of people do sculpt their bodies but um, I, I haven't delved into that 
that side of things, um, and I don't even know whether I ever will because mm. um, I, I'm not sure whether that that is what my what I want to do with my body, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Um, I like my flexibility of, of being able to perform all lots of different activities uh, that put a smile on my face. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I say this I say this on stage a lot of times because it's one of the questions I always get asked is, "What about endurance sports? What are you meant to eat?" and, I, and my, my my first question is, well, why are you doing an endurance sport? I said, <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, from where I we completely agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I said, I said, what's what's the goal here? Is yeah. it to challenge yourself? Is it to uh, is it a mental uh, goal that you've set for yourself, or a physical challenge that you've set for yourself? Because, and I always refer it back to uh, back to for me it's common sense I, I look at children and you never see a child run around for three hours yeah. you, you look at children and they play and they play uh, they'll have a run for for a few minutes and then they'll stop and then they'll skip or they'll do something you know and, yeah. and I, I believe the intelligence that we have as, as children is probably the best because it's 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 intuitive it's instinctive yes. um, I look at, I watch my mum who's in her 70s she goes line dancing and she has a big smile on her face. She's laughing the whole time, or she does yoga. Mm. And and I and I don't mean to be rude to anyone that's listening to this that does endurance sports. But I said, have you ever seen a marathon runner with a smile on their face? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a crazy concept, Pete. You actually do things that you enjoy and make you smile. It's uh, and, and, I, and I and I understand endurance athletes do do find pleasure in that. Yes. Um, for for a multitude of reasons. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it, but. Um, yeah. But I, I, I do have to question if you can't fuel your body or you're struggling to fuel your body from doing an endurance uh, exercise or sport, possibly that might be telling you that maybe our bodies aren't designed to be running for three hours or six hours or doing yeah. extreme sports to that level. Yeah. If, if we're struggling to fuel our bodies properly, um, and I know people do it on a ketogenic diet. I know people yeah. carb load. I know people do it in all different things. But it, I always come back to the common sense uh, look at we're animals. What yeah. are we designed to do? Yes. What What is our f most functional movements? And, and how do we play? Exactly. A sprint, then kill a woolly mammoth, eat some berries, that type of stuff. All the, <laughs> all the finer things in life. So, Pete, I mean, it sounds like you you paint a picture of a very healthy, happy yeah. lifestyle. It's fascinating then that you attract the amount of criticism that you do. I mean, if you yes. if you just Google Chef Pete Evans on Google page one, there's there'll be numerous <laughs> articles and things that come up. We've got doctors and representatives from the, the medical association, um, yes. you know, saying they're enraged when celebrities like Pete Evans come out and devalue what the medical fraternity have been pushing for, for a long time. So it's is it a lack of broader education or is it just the way you do it? <laughs> oh, I don't really do too much to be to be completely honest. It just mm. seems that um, there's a little bit of I don't know whether it's tall poppy in this country. Uh, from I, I even cop it from people that are in the paleosphere. Yeah. They're saying you're not paleo saying, enough. <laughs> they're saying you're making it too mainstream. Oh, well, I'm isn't it the goal to spread the information to make people healthy, which will then change the way people uh, exactly. farm their foods, ra raise their animals, uh, uh, catch their fish, teach their children? Uh, won't, when this gets uh, mainstream, influence the way that um, 
food is served in hospitals? Won't it change the way that daycare centres mm. uh, have their recommendations or the dietary recommendations? Won't it change the the aged care centres and, and potentially so many different communities? Won't it change the way that we we monocrop our, uh, grow our monocrops? I mean, mm. the, the far-reaching possibilities and potential of this movement is much greater than than a lot of people realize and and I've got my I, I guess my goal with this is to spread it as far as wide as quickly as possible um, and for for then the changes to start happening and this yeah. is what I explained last night in Port Lincoln we, we had 250 people there now to give you an idea of the power of that that was over one percent of that that region's population yeah. in a room learning how to cook food that can potentially heal themselves and their families. Now, what happens in a year's time if, say, 250 people there all adopted it and some rheumatoid arthritis, some have MS, some have behavioural issues with their children, some have um, uh, weight issues. Mm. Imagine if, if, if in 12 months and they, they adopt this way of life and they all majority of them find success, what do you think is going to happen to that community um, within the next five years? Because... Exactly. It's a small town. People yes. talk. Mm. What are you doing? How come your skin's looking great? How yeah, come you've yeah. got this energy? Well, I'm doing the paleo or whatever you call it, ketogenic banting, low carb, high fat. Uh, the name mm. doesn't interest me. But no. what interests me is the repercussions in, in a community like that. Because that there, and I said it to all the all, I said, you have the ability to change your daycares, your schools, your aged care centers, your hospitals, the, your, the, the supermarkets, the whole thing. I said, one person can change so much. And going back to your original question about why do I cop so much flack is, I was speaking to a good friend of mine the other day called Trevor Hendy, who's an ex-Iron Man, yeah, yeah. Um, a brilliant, brilliant thinker. Big brilliant. chest. Yes. He has got a big chest. He's, yeah. a, he's a bloody, he's a, he's a giant. He's one of those he's, sculptors. Yeah. He, he, if you want to ever talk to someone that can penetrate your listeners um, and get them to think about the world differently, get him on, he, he is uh, one right. of a kind. Right. And he was talking to me about, he goes, I oh, notice you're, um, you're, you're disrupting the social energy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, he said it a little bit more eloquently. I said, well, explain it to me. He goes, well, he goes, there's no conspiracy out there. It's not the medical association that is attacking or, or uh, is upset with you. It's not the dietitians really that are upset with you. It's not yeah. uh, the media that is upset with you. He goes, what you're doing is bringing about uh, massive change into a society that potentially isn't ready for any change, that everyone's happy where they are. Mm. He said, what you're doing and what's happening is that you're a disruptor. He goes, and people don't like when when they're disrupted, even if it's a if it if it's a message where it can potentially uh, change for the better. He, he just said it's it's it's. He watches it. He goes, it's good, but mm. he goes, you get to cop it for a little bit longer yeah. until until a few of the until a few more people start to get on and support this mm. way of life. Well, it it is very challenging for someone who has had no exposure to this way of eating yes. and you, you sort of explain what they're to do and they're like, yep. want me to eat meat and nuts for breakfast. Yeah, what you, the... What the and, and also just to have the skills to cook animal proteins effectively and make the taste, taste nice. Yeah. And, and 
initially if you haven't been exposed to it there's, it seems like there's very little variety and there's not much available yeah. so what you're doing with your tour is obviously fantastic opening broadening the the spectrum so people see that it's not restrictive in any way yeah. but whereabouts in your experience pete do you see people actually going wrong when they're applying paleo nutrition where, where do they go wrong? I think the most common thing is that that I that I see on my, my social media is uh, people that say I'm I've been doing it for two weeks and I haven't lost any weight, yes. but mm. I'm doing it eighty twenty, um, or I'm doing it seventy thirty, and my husband's doing it fifty fifty, and the kids aren't really doing it either. So um, I'm finding it really difficult. But and I still love my coffee with my cow's milk, and I, I don't mm. really want to give up my cheese, <laughs> um, but. Um, I'm wondering why I haven't seen any results. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, th I think that that's a common thread. Um, I think you can't have it two ways. Yeah. And I've learned this. You can't be. And and this is this is quite interesting. And this is why I've teamed up with my dear friend Nora Gagaudis from the United States, who wrote Primal Body, Primal Mind. She's um, she's involved in our 10-week program. She she's an advocate that you either are or you aren't okay mm -hmm. now if you are you 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 basically 100 percent. you you eliminate okay. grains you eliminate dairy you eliminate refined sugars from your diet you eliminate uh, legumes right yep. now and then you embrace good quality sources of meat that, that come from uh, or seafood that come from uh, unpolluted waters or have, have been raised properly and have a natural diet and we we encourage small amounts of meat large amounts of fat and large amounts of vegetables um, including fermented of course and, and good quality bone broths in our diet it's pretty simple stuff mm -hmm. now there's a lot of information out there on the on the net uh, and people that are advocating this way of life but you, you go onto their sites and they'll be having dairy in there or they will be having something else in there or they'll they'll come out and say um, you know what 80% is fine you can you can have your cheat days at 20% yeah. now if you've got an autoimmune disease that 20% is going to throw you out the, out the window. Yes. If, if you've got um, insulin resistance or you have an addiction to sugar, that 20% per week will keep you on that merry-go-round and you'll never be able to get off. Yeah. It's like if you're an alcoholic, you cannot do it in moderation. You can't have a drink in moderation. If you're a, a drug addict, and yeah. it, mm. you cannot do drugs in moderation. If you've got an addiction to sugar, you cannot do it in moderation. And I think that's... That's the confusing message, and I think a lot of people say it's the 80-20 or 90-10 rule because they want to uh, be popular yeah. and they yeah. want people to come in. I mean, even on my site recently, I've had people on the 10-week program posting photos of desserts and things that I've, I go on there and say, hey, listen, this, <laughs> this, this is designed for 10 weeks. Yeah. I said, there's a reason why there's no desserts in this 10 weeks. Yeah. is because we want to give your body the best chance of resetting itself and reclaiming itself. Yep. You keep putting those those um, bliss balls into your diet, yes. you're not going to – you're going to crave them each and every day, which mm. will make you crave other sweet foods. Yes. So yeah. I, guess I think that's, I think that's the, the, the biggest thing. Um, on the back of that, Pete, I'll yeah. just I'll cut in there just so I can go sideways with that one. I agree with you 100%. A lot, a lot of uh, clients that I've worked with, so obviously um, clean health, we're body composition, trying to achieve body comp for our clients. And and yeah, they'll have uh, they'll have a cheat meal, but the cheat meal is 
you know, refuel metabolism, all that sort of stuff. That's fine, having a surplus of calories. So I guess it's a variation on the paleo uh, life that you're talking about. But yeah, things like gluten that, that I know you've had experience with, you know, they, they fail the, to understand that gluten can irritate for weeks thereafter. It's not like, I'll have, I just had a little bit of gluten. It's like, you know, a, a tiny amount of gluten can irritate for someone that has issues with it. Uh, for a long time thereafter so yeah when they they do do that 2080 or 9010 you know that little bit regularly like you said just always has them on the back foot they never really experience what it's like to to eat clean and and avoid those things and like you said reset the body and the digestion and and everything else it it could take years for people to either heal their gut or get back on onto track and yeah We've had people that are 70 years old start this and, and they expect to result within three weeks or four yeah. weeks. And I, I say to them, I said, how long have you been eating uh, your previous diet for? Precisely, uh, yeah. 65, years years, 70 yeah. years. Right. I said, this isn't a magic pill. Mm. You, know, it, you can't take it once and then it, 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 it fixes everything. Yeah. This is a gradual, um, gradual change yeah. into, I mean, put it this way, I've been doing this now for close to four years and I'm healthier now than I was a year ago. Yes, uh, a year to, before that, right. I was I was yeah. I wasn't as good as I I am a year later, if you know what I mean. So yes, exactly. I, I, I believe in a year's time I'm going to be even healthier fitter and healthier and, and buzzing with more energy than you'd, I am now. You'd be like superhuman, Pete. You'd be like flying around, <laughs> levitating off the ground well, in a year's time. I don't think it's superhuman. I think it's 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 our natural. How we should be exactly, exactly. how we should it's, be. It's, it's, that's what normal should feel is yeah. to feel vibrant and healthy and, and, and I think people's perception of what normal mm. is 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 very distorted so Pete as we we'll just kind of get things wrapping up but if you could just give us some of your fundamentals for cooking with paleolithic nutrition just for our listeners where, where, where yeah. should they start pop some good music on that yeah. would be my first okay. <laughs> first protocol um, find out where your food is coming from and get yourself a good uh, vegetable supplier and uh, seafood and meat supplier yeah. uh, that would be the key get yourself some good uh, quality equipment good ch- good uh, chef's knife might cost you a couple of hundred dollars but it'll last you the rest of your life keep mm-hmm. it sharp yes. um, get yourself a good chopping board that's uh, that that you like and then we can get into the cooking. The cooking part's easy. The cooking part is is fundamentally a list of ingredients cooked in a certain method with a, with an outcome. Yeah. Um, it isn't rocket science. It is the simplest thing. You know, put it this way: any chef that becomes or any person that becomes a chef usually has been a high school dropout, like or myself, or you know. <laughs> What I'm trying to say is if I can do it, Anyone can. Any, yes. anybody can do it. Yes, it's it's so simple. And we've done it for the last couple of million years. We've learned to feed ourselves. Um, the last 100 years or 50 years, we've, we've le- lost the... Uh, lost the common sense notion of how to fuel our bodies mm. um, and I think we just need to get back into the kitchen and start with the basics start with a broth yeah. yep. start with cooking some eggs start with boiling some vegetables what could be more fun What's and more hard that, yeah. than, than, than that just start with the basics yeah. and then then just start then start bringing in herbs spices chicken uh, techniques yes Springs. chicken feet there we yeah. go chopped liver <laughs> so Pete if people want to learn more from you in person how do they find out about the details for your tour probably the best thing is uh, the 10 week 10 week paleo program is uh, at the paleoa.com uh, and my website which is Pete Evans Chef dot com is um is a place where you can find out about the tour 
uh, heaps of recipes, get some information and um, have a bit of fun. Or on Facebook, we've got nearly three quarters of a million people on there now and um, uh, that's uh, Chef Pete Evans is a good Chef. place. Yeah, that's Wonderful. I'm on there and I uh, like all the things that you put up, Pete. I hope you noticed that. <laughs> oh, thanks, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Righto, Pete, thank you so much for your time right, yeah. and uh, good luck with the tour. I appreciate it, fellas. Thank you. Thank, and thanks, thanks for listening, everyone. Thank nice. you, mate. Bye-bye. Cheers. Well, there he was, Chef Pete Evans. What a lovely guy. Yeah, really nice guy. He's, um, he's got a really good underlying intention. He seems to be really Absolutely. have a, a, a desire to help as many people as he can. Yeah, walks the walk as well. I mean, if, he, yeah. if you're looking at where he fits on that uh, true paleo to metro paleo spectrum, he's sounds like as close to the true side of it as, as one can get in this environment. Yeah, yeah, he certainly... Um, all the broth and the yeah, liver. The bone marrow and, the bone and all that marrow, stuff. Yeah. That kind of stuff, yeah. And... Uh, wouldn't it be great to be able to, you know, have such a variety of delicious foods just prepared for oh, you? Yeah. Yes. I mean, you can come and stay at my... If Pete, if you're listening, you can come and stay at my place anytime. <laughs> I'll go full paleo for you. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, um, yeah, like you said, practicing what you preach. And, and he certainly is... Uh, if everyone sees him on... Um, I'm sure they do. It's it's on uh, my household uh, every every night it's on. But my kitchen rules. I mean, he certainly looks like a, a picture yes. of health. So yes. if there cuts was ever... A, cuts a slightly different figure to Manu. Yes, maybe Manu should go full paleo. Yes, I think Pete, you should. I think you should work on that one. But, you know, uh, he certainly, um, if you were to uh, look at his, um, him as an example of uh, paleo style nutrition, you, you certainly, um, you know, it's a picture of, of good health. So, yeah. walk an advertisement there. That has been another episode of Under the Bar, the Clean Health Podcast with Rodan and Tom. This is the paleo episode, I suppose. Yes. yes. No lab coat, Tom, for that one. No doubt there'll be people furious about it. Yep. No doubt there'll be people going, yes, 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 that's the only way. Yep. There'll be a few man buns being snipped off as we speak, hopefully. Can't. Could almost pull off a man bun if you really wanted to. Mate, what about me? I could maybe, you know, my... My multiple rat's tails at the back there could be, you know, curled upwards into a man bun. Mm, have a crack at twice a day training. Yeah. You've been training for a while and you've got time in your schedule. It, you'll find a new world of soreness, but you'll yeah. also find that uh, you respond in a different way. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the higher your training age, I guess, the shorter duration, the more uh, damage you can inflict. So yeah. for someone that's uh, highly trained, it might even be a... You know, five to seven days, short as a five to seven day yeah, training period. Absolutely. The, uh, the rotation that I'm doing at the moment is a 10 day rotation. So I do yeah. twice a day training for 10 days. Yep. I go back to once a day conventional training for another 10 days. Nice. And that makes up a, a macro cycle, and then I repeat that once again. Beautiful. Twice a day training. Organic versus non organic, certainly from a health perspective, you can't go past organic foods. Yep. If, you've got the, if you've got the cash, and you've got the resources to eat purely organic, then uh, that would be the, the ducks, nuts approach to nutrition, 100%. Yep. But if you're uh, like Rodan and I and just struggling to make ends meet... Yeah, and, and, working and at the CHPC, Dave <laughs> McDonald withholding all the uh, the cash for himself. Yeah, it's... Uh, then we can still stay in shape yep. by eating non-organic products. Probably a good idea to wash your veggies, though. Yeah, give them a wash and you will take some of that, uh, that pesticide residue off. And uh, that's pretty much it, Tom. Yes, go to the website cleanhealth.com.au forward slash podcast, enter your name and email, 
join the subscriber list to get yes. all the free content and the goodies that we give away and go in the draw to win that Clean Health Podcast pack. Mate, you can't go wrong with that. 